Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Provita. I'm changing up the format of the show. I know I mentioned this, I think, on the last episode, but I'm bringing on our dear, dear, dear friend, Justin Campbell, to um, co-host with me. Uh, It started out just as an idea I had because I'm going to be traveling for the next month or so to just take some of the pressure off of me but um i i really like the um the dynamic we have i like having him on so uh this is going to be our first episode together of this podcast i did his uh show a couple weeks ago i hope you guys listened to that that was a lot of fun but this will be his inaugural episode on here and yeah so i i don't really have anything really to to go over at the top of the show here so we can just bring him on this is justin hillbilly boy campbell what's going on man thanks for coming on welcome to your inaugural episode of peddling fiction as my co-host how you doing man doing good doing good (laughs) so uh, i think we've both had very different weeks (laughs) i i started a vacation last week and I've been bouncing around. I've been in three different countries already, just to just to avoid some of the uh, COVID restrictions down here in Panama. But um, what uh, do you, do you want to talk about your last week or so, or is that just um, something you want to keep? No, I mean it's nothing. It's not like a big secret or anything. My my wife's grandfather passed away, so we've been been dealing with all of that it's been uh interesting it it actually has the potential to be really interesting going forward um he had a he had a decent patch of property with a couple little houses on it and some barns and sheds and stuff and uh we're looking at purchasing that from my wife's uh dad and aunt and then moving up there and converting that into our little uh commune and starting our like going full full farmer with it and because we've got a like we've got a decent little backyard garden and stuff out here and a couple goats and some chickens and stuff but like up there we would have enough space to really go all out with the the homesteading type thing so we're putting pretty serious consideration into that and and that would be a uh, pretty massive life change type thing it wouldn't really affect any of the podcast stuff but it would definitely uh it would definitely put us in a position where I could quit my full-time job and start looking at doing that kind of stuff on a full-time basis. So 
that's it's pretty exciting prospects but that's other than that really you know cool. yeah other than that i mean it's just been a the normal stuff that comes with somebody passing yeah so is he in indiana as well or is he in it yeah yeah there okay. uh, her the family property. lives about a, an hour north of where we are so yeah that's awesome yeah you can go full hillbilly boy have <laughs> like a fully operating I mean, farm and are you gonna be is, off the grid too that is my goal is to uh go back to my roots and just farm full-time so this would be a this would be a big start in that direction cool cool and uh why don't why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself for those of um those of our listeners who might not be familiar justin has been helping me out with this thing for a couple of years now um, I, I probably wouldn't have this currently if, if he wasn't um, taking care of a lot of the stuff that I just don't know how to do and don't want to do. Uh, everything techno, uh, technologically related, he's been basically handling. He set up the Discord server. He's been um, uh, moderating the, the private Facebook group, all this great stuff. So I, I can't thank him enough, but and uh, I'm really excited to have him on. And, uh, but yeah, what's been going on with you? How did you get into all this? Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Uh, I mean, I stumbled into all this, just dumb luck. Uh, I heard, I heard Michael Malice on a Joe Rogan podcast, and then I started listening to Malice and for Malice, Malice and uh, Dave Smith did a crossover episode. So I started listening to Dave Smith and then there was an advertisement for this peddling fiction show on Dave Smith's show once. So I was like, okay. I'm looking for new content. I'll check that out too. And got to listening to you. And one day you said that you had a, you had this private Facebook group and a YouTube channel and all this stuff that you never used and that you really just needed to find somebody to run it for you. So I I sent you a a message on Twitter and said, Hey, did you ever find somebody to run that? And your reply was no. Do you want to do it? And I said, sure. And here we are a year and a half later. Um, I think we've done pretty good. The, uh, the Facebook group is, the Facebook group is very active. If any listener isn't a part of the Facebook group, like you should really join. We have a meme, a weekly meme stream. People post uh, like news articles and we have different conversations on like stuff that's going on. It's, it's really good. Uh, I thought the YouTube channel was really good too, until they fucking nuked us. So, uh, now, so now I'm going to work on creating a rumble channel so we can start getting video back up and going and, uh, and, work back in that direction that really sucked because we had gotten up to what what was it, it was almost 400 uh I yeah we was, had a nice we had a nice bump um yeah we were starting to pick up some steam and then yeah without warning because you don't know how to run a youtube channel we got nuked it's totally your fault but you know it's fine um but you know what's been driving me crazy is this whole facebook um i guess they locked uh, i haven't been on there in a while they locked my account because you they want to do this two-step verification thing. But so I, I'm in Panama now. I I don't have my regular SIM card in my phone. I have like one of those unlocked phones. So I got an international unlimited uh, data card thing, which was a whole other fiasco getting that activated. I, I can screw up like the easiest thing. It's unbelievable. But so I don't have my regular number. So I can't do this like two-step verification thing. They're trying to send like a text message or whatever to my other number so it, re- it would require me like taking out the sim card putting it in and i'm just like too lazy to do it but i am like 
I'm deprived of memes. I know there's been great memes the last like week or so, and I haven't seen hardly any of them, but that is, yeah, that is my favorite, uh, favorite aspect of that group is it, I'm in some other uh, groups as well with meme streams, but you know, they'll have like 10 times, well, maybe not 10 times, but like three, four times the amount of people in the group and like the same amount of memes. So we crank out a lot of great meme content on there, which is basically my only motivation for setting up that group so that I could get more memes. I have a problem. We definitely have some, some good members there. They, they deliver. And if I don't get the meme stream out like Monday morning so they can start posting them, I'm getting dirty messages like, Hey, what are you doing? You're, you're fucking this up. Hurry up, dude. Where, where's our meme stream? I'm like, calm down. I got to sleep at some point. I do work a night shift. Like, so, so they are, yeah. they are voracious about their memes. Yeah. And then uh, every, every month we take the most active uh, group member, uh, active top 10, I think. Yeah. Top 10, top 10 active group members get invited to the uh, bi-weekly happy hour that we do every other Friday. So uh, yeah, find, find us on there and join that group. It's, it's a great little community and it's a lot of fun. So um, Heck yeah. Yeah. And, and so Tell me about you, Panama. How's that been? <laughs> so getting to Panama was a nightmare. Um, I, I didn't realize this. Um, I think they might have changed the status of the U.S. They like updated it in the middle of September. So when we were initially planning this trip, um, I first of all, I thought I'd be coming from Mexico. I wasn't planning on going to Chicago first, but something came up uh, for work. And, and so I went, ended up being in Chicago and 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 so like once i knew that was happening i planned i booked my flight from chicago to panama because i found this ridiculously cheap flight and it was kind of expensive doing it from mexico here so i was like all right i'll just do the chicago thing i'll stay for a week take care of some stuff over there and then i'll fly down to, to panama and two days before i'm gonna leave I get this little, you know, an email from the airline, like check out the COVID restrictions. And I'd booked so many flights and I'd been so many places. I was like, do I, I couldn't remember if I needed a COVID test to get in. So you do, but they also put the U S on a high risk category. So if you're coming from the U S and you're vaccinated, you don't have to do anything. You can just stroll right through. Like they have created the two tier society that we are kind of afraid of. Right. Um, you don't even have to present a, a COVID test, I don't think, if you're vaccinated. But if you're unvaccinated, you have to get a, a COVID test within 24 hours of your flight, and you have to quarantine for three days in Panama in a hotel that they put you up in, and you have to pay for it yourself. And of course, I'd already booked a place for two days, and then I was going to travel across the country to Bocas del Toro, which is where I'm at right now. So I'm trying to figure out how to get around this quarantine thing. And so I'm, uh, if you, Mexico was not on the high, uh, high risk group. And, and so what I ended up doing was I'm, I'm shuffling around. Of course, I only had my phone with me when, when I find this out, I don't have a computer. So I have like 30 windows up on my phone and I'm like freaking out trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. But I found a, a spirit flight, a 6am spirit flight from Chicago to Cancun. And there was like a, a flight from Cancun to uh, 
Costa Rica, but it was one of those hidden city flights. So it stopped off in Panama. And so I got that. And so my plan was to fly direct to Cancun. I had about three and a half hours to get a COVID test there, really, you know, go out of the airport, go back into the airport, go through security, get on this next flight and then hop off in uh, Panama and just knock it on the connecting flight. I, I, I've been doing that a lot and I will tell you why I'm going to stop doing that because of all this COVID stuff. But the, so the, the, the flight to Cancun was fine. I mean, it was okay. The, the clientele on the 6 a.m. Friday morning flight, spirit flight to Cancun is not my, not my uh, cup of tea. I guess you could put it that way. Interesting crowd, but you know, I, I kind of slept most of the time. And I got to Cancun and I'm going through immigration and it was like, the guy was like one of the stickler guy, you know, like he flipped through every page of my passport and he was like kind of looking at it. And I'm like getting a little nervous because I'm, I'm only coming in for like the day. I'm not even staying a whole day. So it looks kind of weird. And he asked me how long I was staying. And I, and I told him I was just staying a day. And I like made up an address from like the last time I was in Cancun. I put that on the immigration form. And he has a day, but he stamped me and I went, I went through and it was no problem. And then I get outside the airport. I'm in terminal one. I got to get to terminal two. And I, I'm never setting foot in fucking Cancun again. I can't stand this place. It, it is so far up on my shit list. Like I will never, ever set foot there again. And I know we have some uh, people in the happy hour group that got married over there. I, I, I can't, I already didn't like this place for a number of reasons, but now it's just awful. So I need to get to terminal two. And I'm asking this guy, and I, I should have known that he was just going to be a lying sack of shit. But he's like, oh, like you can take a taxi or you can wait like 40 minutes for the next shuttle to shuttle you over there. And I was like, I can't walk there. He's like, no, it, it's really far. And there's like construction and all this weird shit. And I was like, all right, how, how much is a taxi? And he says 600 pesos, which for those of you not familiar with the exchange rate, that's $30. Um, a $30 cab ride in Mexico should take you two hours away. Like you can go to a different state for 30, for 600 pesos. Like I, I would go from uh, PV to Sayulita where we're having the Sayulita super spreader in less than a month. I would do that for less than 600 pesos. I do it for like 450, 500. And it's like a 40 minute drive um, if you don't have traffic. And so I, I'm like, that's ridiculous, but I'm schlepping. I have got 40 pounds of luggage on my back. Um, dying of heat because it was cold in Chicago. So I'm wearing jeans and a long sleeve shirt. And I don't know what the next terminal is going to look like. I got to get my test. I got to go through all the, all this stuff. And I don't want to wait for the shuttle. So I paid $30 for this cab ride. It was under a minute, under a fucking minute. Like he just went around the corner and like turned in. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. I got gringoed harder than I'd ever gotten gringoed. And I knew it was happening and I just had to accept it. So I get to the terminal and I get my COVID test. That was pretty easy. The COVID test was actually cheaper there than it was in PV. It was like 290 pesos or something. So not bad. And that went smoothly. And now I have to check in to this airline and I did it online. And I got the online boarding pass 
And I was like, holy shit, this is great. Cause Mexico gives you like this little thing and you usually have to go to the ticketing counter and they got to like ask you questions and check your passport. And then they uh, give you your boarding pass, but I got this electronically. So I go through the security line and I get up to the, the ticketing guy and he's like, oh no, you have to have a physical boarding pass. So he, he kicked me out of that line and I go back and I, I try to um, check in at the desk, but they're blocking it off and they're making you fill out these country registration forms. And just to get to the ticketing counter to get the boarding pass that I already had on my phone, I'd already checked into this and I'm not checking any bags or anything. And so um, now I don't know what to do because I want to go to Panama, Panama City, Panama, but my ticket is technically for Costa Rica. So which registration form do I fill out and how do I, you know, get into this? How do I get checked into this flight without these people like breaking my balls about doing the hidden city thing? Cause I think that's frowned upon with these airlines. And by the way, there's no internet connection in this airport. They have a free Wi-Fi that didn't work. They had the Wi-Fi that you could pay for, which probably wouldn't work either. And then they were like blocking. I swear to God, they were blocking the regular just Mexico internet, which I should have on my phone. And so you have to fill all these forms out online, but there's no internet connection. And then, of course, they got all these fucking Mexican guys sitting around with their phones as hotspots. And they want you to pay them to use their hotspot internet, which I had to do. I had to give this guy 50 pesos so that I could fill out the online registration form and get it downloaded. And that, I mean, this, this is taking forever. Um, and the lady's like not letting me through. To, I finally get up to the ticketing counter and I found the one Mexican Karen, like unbelievable stickler for everything. She's asking me about my, like she wanted proof of a return flight because otherwise you got to get like a visa for Costa Rica. And I didn't have a return flight from Costa Rica, but I had return flights from, you know, I had a flight from Panama city, like a week and a half later, I had a flight from uh, Guatemala back to Mexico. So I showed her one of those and she's writing it down. And then she asked me if I'm vaccinated and I said, no. And she said, okay, well, um, I was like, but I had my COVID test. So, and she's like, okay, but in order to enter Costa Rica, if you're unvaccinated, you have to get travel insurance. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And, and, and she's not, and I was like, well, can I just do that in Panama? Cause I have the connection in Panama. And she's like, no, I can't check you in blah, 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 blah. So I, I'm trying to ask her, just figure out some way for her to give me my goddamn Panama city boarding pass. I don't care about the next flight and she would not do it. So she gives me a website to get the travel insurance. I had to get out of line again, find another internet connection. And I'm running back and forth in this, this terminal is like, 300 yards long it's enormous and the internet connection is on the other side of course and oh god dude it was a nightmare so i bought that insurance um just like two days where it was like 20 bucks it wasn't a big deal it's just a pain in the ass I filled out that form filled out this other online form um filled out the registration for costa rica and i go back in line and she's like following me around i'm trying to find different tellers and she was like as soon as she saw that I got in with somebody else, she like ran over and was like, just came over to bust my ball some more. And I showed her the insurance and she's like reading through it. 
And at this point, it's been three and a half hours now of me trying to get my boarding pass that I had on my phone three and a half hours ago. And I'm like, it's getting to the point where I might miss this flight. I got about 30 minutes before it takes off. And she's like, she's like, well, it doesn't say COVID on here. Where does it say COVID? I was like, listen, like you gave me the website. You told me what to do. I did that. Here's the receipt for it. Here's the email confirmation. Here's the registration form that I had to put the uh, insurance number into. And she finally like begrudgingly like gives the girl the nod to print out my friggin' boarding pass. And so then I had to run through the security line and I lost the, you know, the, the health questionnaire form that they make you fill out. I filled that out the first time I went through, but I couldn't find it on my phone. And so I had to fill that out. again. It was like, dude, I was spent. I hate Cancun. I'm never going back there. I did make, I had about 15 minutes to spare with a three and a half hour window to check into this flight. It was insane. And I'm still super worried about pa- the thing I was worried about was Panama because I thought they were going to make me quarantine when they like if they see my stamp, like I just entered Mexico that day. It's like, well, where were you before that? <laughs> it's just like I didn't really have an answer for that. And um, but yeah, I got to Panama and they just waved me right through. They didn't even check my COVID test. <laughs> well, Unbelievable. Least, and as I at least uh, at least you made it. It's probably because Cancun is such a touristy spot i'm sure that has a large amount to do with the yeah the exceptional amount of bullshit thing yeah but those places just seem to be packed with bullshit no matter even if it's you know here in the u.s if you go to somewhere that's super touristy it's just gonna be a fucking nightmare no matter what like i hate one of those kind of places yeah like i it it was a raping and like i have bad luck with this sort of thing like people never believe me and the 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 person meeting me here in in panama was like oh it'll be fine it'll be fine and like she like she flew the same airline i did but um like they didn't they didn't check her registration form to get her boarding pass like that never happens apparently except when i'm flying this airline so anybody that's listened to the show for a year or so knows that you have the absolute worst luck when it comes Dude, to any sort of travel. Like you, it is like, you should just it is, find somewhere to settle down. And I know. Right. And so like, I'm just going through, I always go through like worst case scenario and I'm like, this is probably going to happen. So like, what am I going to do when I get to Panama and they like the guys examining all the stamps in my passport and he sees one from today in Cancun and then nothing before then, except for like six months earlier in Mexico. And it wouldn't make sense for like them to stamp me in Cancun if I was coming from a different part of Mexico. So like, I, I you know, luckily that worked out. Panama City is like super masky. I've never seen anything like it. Like I thought Chicago was bad. This was 100% of the people are wearing their masks all the time. All Did the they time. have a... <clears throat> do they have a mandate or a requirement or are they just doing it voluntarily? I don't think there was a mandate. I, you know, I, I got conflicting. I never really asked anybody, but um, I, I was literally the only person walking around outside without a mask on. And I walked by, they have police everywhere too. It was like kind of uncomfortable. Um, but like I walked by police constantly and none of them said anything. And then one day, we were walking by and this cop like jumps out of his car. He's like, you got to put your mask on. You got to put your mask on. And so I put my mask on for like a block and then I took it off again. But, it, you know, everybody had them on and it was really uncomfortable. I, I felt like um, 
you know, every, every time you, you're just walking around, you're just kind of waiting for somebody to like confront you, you know, it's like a really uncomfortable feeling. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of cool, cool little city. We stayed in like the old quarters or whatever they call it, Costco Viejo. Um, I, I don't really have a strong desire to go back. Um, especially like dude, this, this, the COVID thing was, was really weird, man. And they're like super uptight about it. So, um, I just don't want to support that. Um, I am going to be back there for a couple of days in like a week and a half, which is good because I, I think I lost my mic cord over there. So maybe I can swing by and pick that up. That's the poor sound quality is because I'm using my computer microphone. So I apologize for that. I'm in shambles, but yeah, now I'm in Bocas del Toro and it's like a, you know, it's like a little islandy town, um, a couple hours north. We took like an overnight bus ride, which was interesting, <laughs> but that worked out pretty well. And it's like a completely different mentality here. There's still a good amount of people wearing masks, not nearly like it was like I, when I say a hundred percent of the people, like a hundred percent of the people, kids, everybody outside, like maybe they'll have it like below their nose or like around their chin or something. But that was like the closest you got to seeing somebody without a mask on. And here it's like, I just walk around without one. Nobody's been saying anything. Most people still wear them like in inside grocery stores and stuff. But if you don't, like they don't seem to care. So I'm liking it a lot more out here. And uh, I, I it, you know, it's just weird. Like I, we were kind of talking about this on the... Um, we did a live stream with, uh, well, it was supposed to be Clint, but he uh, screwed up the time, so he missed it. But it was uh, me and Mark Claire and um, uh, Buck Johnson. And there's something weird about these big cities where it's just like the mentality is, is so different from like a smaller town or like these beachy towns or islands and stuff like that. And I, I don't exactly know what, what it is, what causes that. It's like that here, like, so where we live on the west side of, of town, uh, it's a little more rural, a little more rednecky, and you don't see a whole lot of masks. Like, there's some really old people or, like, college students that'll be wearing them, but, but not a whole lot. Uh, if you go to the east side of town, which is the more, like, hipster, uh, upscale part of town, there's a whole lot more mask wearing and a whole lot more like signs on doors and stuff like that. Even, even here in, you know, super red state, Indiana. So it is, it is really weird. The dynamic and, and like for it to be that different, just from one side of town to the other, like it, it's a, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of strange and also really telling of the way society is kind of structured right now. Like there is such a just ridiculously vast difference between the different political ideologies and the way they look at and approach this entire thing. Like it's, it's a neat social experiment, I guess. Like, I don't, you know, this is the kind of stuff that you would read like research papers or, or, you know, studies about the, and people would theorize and project what would happen in these sorts of situations. But we're getting to watch this thing like unfold in real time and see how people actually react to it. It's, it's a, it's a really interesting thing to live through for sure, especially if you can, if you have the ability to uh, take a step back and not get bogged down in it and just to look at it. Like it is really cool. 
Yeah. Oh, it's, I find it fascinating. Fascinating. Cause you would, you would see stuff like this happen throughout history. We're going to talk about Austria in a couple of minutes here. And you wonder like how, how this could possibly happen. And then you just watch it slowly unfold in front of your eyes. And it's obvious to us, uh, you know, people that run in our sort of circles, but man, other people are completely oblivious to it. And you know, uh, the U.S. makes sense to me because I, I get I have a much better feel for like the the political aspect of it. Like I don't understand. I don't know if it's a political thing here, or it's it's something else. Like I don't know exactly what drives the two different mentalities in other countries, or if, if it's exactly the same as as it is in the U.S. Um, but yeah, it's it, it dude. I, I I don't even know where to start with with Austria. It's like go ahead and, and catch everybody up on that for, for people that have not been following it. Yeah. For anybody who hasn't been following the news on what's been going on over the last week or so, Austria and more recently Germany are implementing full on lockdowns for anybody who is unvaccinated. So I think, I think in Germany that affects something like 14 million people. And in Austria, it's something like six or 8 million people. But if you're not vaccinated, you are now a second class citizen. And not just like second class citizen, like you don't have certain privileges, like you have none. Not only that, but they've gone full on Gestapo, like police roaming stores, checking people's vaccination status to make sure that you aren't out and about if you're unvaccinated. Like it's it's full on totalitarianism. And and, and the fucking crazy thing is it's Austria and Germany. <laughs> Like, you can't. Yeah, dude. It's like you can't make this up. It's bonkers. Like this is ridiculous. And the fact that it's starting there where this whole thing started, like this whole type of show me your papers society. I mean, it, it's is it just hardwired into their leadership, like the people who have been bred for because if we're being completely honest, like the people who take political power and, and are in leadership positions they're in those positions for a reason. Like they, they, they've been brought into that. They didn't just happen upon those positions. Like, is it just bred into that part of the world that you are going to be a complete totalitarian fuck as soon as you have the opportunity? (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely something about Germans where they, they have that sort of in them that sort of yeah control stickler like they're you know like the mexican karen but they're like the german the european version of it um i I think there is a uh i think there definitely is like a societal thing with with germany because there there is uh, it is sort of a rigid type of uh society i mean you can tell it through their language and everything else like there is a lot of that just in the way and and maybe it's the part of the world and uh you know the germanic uh tribes and stuff from roman times like it's probably something that's like deeply embedded in that society but it it definitely exists in that society and and like it it really bears its head whenever whenever shit gets kind of weird like what we're seeing right now or you know like because there was a lot of socioeconomic stuff that went on pre-world war ii that kind of led up to that so like you see a lot of that playing out historically and and like we're we're in a similar thing where you get to see it play out and it's so fucking creepy yeah and 
yeah, rigid is like the, the word I was looking for. That's a, the perfect way of describing that, that sort of society. And yeah, it's so like, they're going to find themselves in a very similar situation with all of these, you know, the, the same situation we're finding ourselves in the U S like runaway inflation, there's going to be tons of people out of work. Um, and I, I don't know what sort of, I mean, the last time they had that sort of situation, we all know what, what sort of power structure that ushered in, who knows what's going to happen on the heels of this. But so, yeah, I think Austria is like 65% vaccinated. So yeah, like 35% of the people are just in prison now in their own country. Um, Did you see the thing? I think it was, I'm going to get this wrong, but I'm almost hundred percent positive. It was Belarus has like the highest, one of the highest vaccination rates in the world. And they are currently seeing just massive spikes. They're like, almost 100% vaccinated. I mean, you know, Belarus is a small country. They're almost 100% vaccinated and are seeing some of the biggest spikes of any European country, like per capita, period right now. Like, so- Yeah, I think somebody might have posted that. What does the vaccination status matter? If that's like, if you can see the very clear example of that happening, it it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Well, and that's gonna be sort of the interesting thing is to see if they're gonna be honest about the numbers that come out of these places where it's like, okay, uh, you just locked all of the the unvaccinated people in their houses. They're not allowed to leave. They can't go to venues. They already couldn't go to venues and bars and restaurants and stuff. And now they can't leave their house. So they're they're literally prisoners. And then if they still have spikes in it, what are you gonna blame that on? Well, and then you Mm -hmm. have like the the really stark contrast with the Norwegian countries like Denmark, Switzerland, Sweden, where they've basically declared it endemic. They're considering it like the flu. Basically, they're they're saying what anybody like any smart uh, doctor or scientist has been saying for the last few months, that it's it is endemic. It is effectively the new flu. And they're going back to business as usual because you can't continue to lock down forever. And they are currently having some of the lowest uh, infection rates. So like, but that doesn't get reported, of course, like that, that's never going to make it in the name, mainstream news. Like they're going to talk about all of these places that are having these runaway spikes and how terrible it is that COVID is just going to kill everybody and you have to get 17 boosters or you'll never survive it and completely ignore the countries that are doing the complete opposite and not just not just doing fine but actually thriving and uh i think i think denmark and sweden are uh uh, back on track like economic recovery wise to get back to pre-covid economic uh like success type type deal so like obviously there's something to be said for reversing these policies and just going about with business as usual but the media is never going to let that. I mean, there, there's an agenda that has to be pushed here and that is not it. Yeah. And it's, it's just so insane to me that like, I've never seen a self-inflicted wound like this bad before, but you know, like the, the, the lockdown in Austria, like over this, over this, you're going to imprison a third of your population I, over what? over what like the vast majority of people do not really suffer um great damages from covid 
Um, and then, you know, the other thing is that vaccination status is very pliable. Like they can, they can just change what it means to be vaccinated. You got to keep I your, mean, you got to get your yeah, look at shot. Israel. They're even, they're even moving in that direction here in the United States. I mean, they're, they're trying to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's and like, I know a lot of people that just did it because they wanted, you know, they believed what they were told. And it's like, oh, just get, get your vaccine. You can go back to your normal life. And now it's like, well, they don't want to, they don't want to get booster shots in perpetuity. None of them do, but that's, that's what they're trying to push now. And it's like, man, like a, a bunch of people I know are just like, oh, I'm not going to get boosters. And I was like, well, you're going to, then you just got the vaccine for no reason because it's going to be gone in six months. Like it's going to wane away in the, you know, six to eight months or whatever it is. And then you're, they're going to take away your vaccine status. And then what are you going to do? Like, we have to, you can't just keep complying with, with what they're doing. Cause they're just going to keep coming up with more things for you to comply with. And it's a, it, it's a very scary uh, path that we're headed down. And to me, and that's why I went through what I went through to get to Panama. Like I, I avoided, like I, it was worth it to me. I'm putting my foot down uh, this is where I'm drawing the line. Like you got to draw the line somewhere. And to me, um, not getting the, the vaccine, unless you want to get it, is is the line for me. I, I, I just don't. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. It's just like, ah, oh, we'll just get the, everybody's just, just get the vaccine. And just get because I was complaining a lot about all these hoops I had to jump through. You can just get the vaccine. They can go right there. I was like, yeah, doesn't that bother you? <laughs> like That um, they can control my movement. And I have to inject something into my body that I don't want and that I don't need just to travel freely, uh, just to, you know, be a human being. And if they can do that, what can't they do to me? So here's, um, I was looking at the numbers. I should have done it beforehand since I knew we were going to talk about it. But Austria and Germany are like almost middle of the pack as far as deaths per population go or deaths per million for their populations go they're they're right at the world average and and over the last like i don't know month and a half two months like they've had a really light uptick but nothing even remotely close to what they had at at like pandemic peak or even what they had like in during like cold and flu season, you know, uh, January, February of, of 2021. Like they've had a, a very mild spike here over the last three to four weeks. So, so that has justified this like really mild, small spike has justified locking down millions of people for no more reason than they don't have uh, a vaccine. And, and obviously like, and if you look at the cases, the cases have spiked above anything that it ever hit before. So that's not like the vaccine isn't helping cases, but deaths aren't like deaths were always supposed to be the thing until deaths weren't the thing because there weren't enough to justify it. So then it became cases. It's, it's fucking insane. Like just anybody that looks at the numbers can tell that this isn't something that, uh, Number one, it isn't something that's being mitigated by this vaccine. 
And number two, it's not something that warrants locking everybody down or, you know, everybody unvaccinated down for because the death rates aren't there. Like, yeah. It, um, and Germany's it, it's, the same way. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's insane. And the, the thing is, I mean, the biggest problem that we have is that tons of people are wildly misinformed about the, the risks of COVID and, and, the, and these numbers. And, you know, we've done an incredible job of conditioning the American people to, you know, trust their, their TV news source to just listen to what they tell them. And they don't check, like nobody looks into these things. You see those studies, it's like 85% of people just read the headline and the headline is like, such bullshit all the time you know it, it'll be that the whole michael malice uh factual but not truthful thing and it'll be like yeah you're like oh 45 year old mother of two dies of covid because she was unvaccinated and it turns out that she was like morbidly obese had leukemia <laughs> like, i mean that's why I started other- my, that's why i started my show and called it fact check this because i got tired of reading the fact check articles where the headline says that this is inaccurate or misleading or false. And then the opening paragraph tells you that it's false. And then if you continue to read the rest of the article, it goes on to say that it's not actually false. It's actually more true than, than not, but we don't like the way it was, or it wasn't worded exactly right. It was like the thing that said that, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, that says that the COVID vaccine is not a sterilization, it just causes infertility. <laughs> like, okay, that, they're literally the yeah. same fucking thing. It's a like, distinction without a difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, you know, they, they put so much stuff in there and you get so used to seeing it that nobody reads through it. And, and my God, I mean, if anybody had had gotten the actual numbers that we have now, and tried to, if, if that's what like the worst case scenario was, like 1% of people go to the hospital, uh, 99 point something percent of people survive this. The vast, well, tons of people are asymptomatic or like young people are gonna be perfectly fine. As long as you don't have one of these like five underlying conditions, nobody would have even done the, nobody would have worried about this at all. Like this should have just been like one of those things that the media tries to stir up a lot, you know, with like, uh, you know, a few years ago, it was like Zika was a big thing. Um, you know, it's like, it's like a couple of weeks, it's like headline Zika, 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 and then it just fades away. And I was hoping that that that's what this was going to be, but my God, did they run with this one farther than I ever thought they would. And you know, being in the U.S. like sort of U.S. centric, it does seem like it was all about Donald Trump. Like, I don't have another like explanation for it, really. But they hit why the perfect did... form of a polarizing political figure in office with the thing that they could run with, and so they were able to capitalize on that opportunity in a unique way that hadn't existed previously when these type of things had happened uh yeah well and like, it started well and it didn't uh, it didn't help that or it didn't hurt that this was actually a contagious virus like bird flu swine flu zika ebola they were all they all burned out really quick because they weren't 
they weren't highly contagious, but they also didn't have the 99.7% survival rate or whatever. So, you know, they're able to uh, use statistics to lie in this case. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, it started in, in China. And so they can show all these like horrifying videos of every, like all the crazy stuff Chinese people are doing and bodies piling up everywhere. And, you know, even before it even hit our shores, like people were terrified, absolutely terrified. And it's, it's sort of easy to get caught up in that, but you have to remember, like they do nothing but sensationalize and lie about everything. Like just, if you were to just inter- interpret the exact opposite of everything that you heard on TV from a news source, you would be closer to the truth every single time than what's actually going on. If you like whatever the story is, be like, oh, I don't believe that. It's probably the exact opposite. And you would probably be more accurate than than the vast majority of the sources out there and have a happier life. I mean, I, the people that I see walking around, um, with masks and face guards terrified of everything and they're doing it to their kids too it's like good grief you know there's there's more there's more risks and and problems that can arise than just this virus you know it's like what what is the collateral damage going to be to the world from the things that we're doing to stop the spread of this thing that we're we're not even being successful doing uh I mean, just on that alone, there's an article from the New York Times, overdose, overdose deaths reach record high as the pandemic spread, which this is something that anybody who knows about, you know, people who suffer from mental illness and uh, drug recovery and, and, you know, substance abuse recovery, stuff like that. Like, I was saying this in April of last year, like, this is going to be terrible for people who are already on the, I'm going to kill myself end of the spectrum. Like you were, you're going to lock them down, take away their job, take away everything that gives them meaning and purpose in life. Like the things that are actually giving them a reason to hold on and continue. Like, you're just going to strip that away from them. Like, don't be surprised when overdoses and suicides just spike over the next, however long this thing lasts, because once you take that away from people who already only had that to cling to, they're going to fucking end it. And it like, the federal government should be held liable for every one of those deaths like like that uh, as if it wasn't bad enough that our government is just absolute butchers of foreign people like this is actually killing our u.s citizens and people they claim to care about (laughs) right and these are the people that they claim to care about the most like all the bleeding heart fucking liberals that care so much about taking care of these people the the downtrodden and the you know, the down on their luck, the the ones who need the help. These are the people that need the help. And you actively took it away from them, stripped it away from them and gave them nothing. And like this, it's, it should be fucking criminal. Yeah. Well, and it's just the perfect um, example of how the, the government operated. Like they're, oh, we're here to help you. This is what we should do to help you. And it's the exact opposite that anybody should want done to them. You know, it's like, sit on your ass, eat cheeseburgers and watch Netflix and drink yourself to death. I mean, that's all I did when we were locked down uh, back in China. Like I signed up for all those wine delivery services. I was getting cases of wine. I still get all this mail and emails and shit from them because I'd order it once and then cancel it and get like the extra three bottles or something. 
I was going through like a bottle or two a day. It was terrible. I was like, I can't, I got to get out of here. I can't keep doing this. And like, I'm like, I don't have a, a problem with it, you know, but it was just, what else am I going to do? I like, play video games and drink wine and watch TV, not exercise. The gyms were all closed. It's like, I, luckily I had some like dumbbells and so you could do like prison workouts it ordered delivery food too. It's like the, it's like they put like a stick of butter and everything. Like, my God, See, that's, this where is being the, the, uh, that's where being the resident redneck comes in handy. Cause I got a nice backyard. So I just expanded the garden and built a gazebo and a deck and worked in, worked outside and put up a fence yeah. and all kinds of fun stuff. Like I, I had a wildly productive uh, lockdown, but it was because I've got the room to do it. And so like I made use of the time to work on stuff. Uh, yeah. That was something that I talked about. I think it was with Pete a couple of weeks ago was like, if people didn't find a way to turn the lockdowns into something successful and positive, like I feel like that says something about them. Cause there was a lot uh, for as terrible as it was, like there was a lot that could be good taken out of it, Yeah. but you had to be in the right position for that. Like, and a lot of people like like the ones who, you know, the overdose deaths that have spiked, like those people were not in a position. And anybody who lives in a city, like if you're in a city, you were fucked before the whole thing started. Like they could lock you down and control your life completely, especially if you were relying on public transportation and everything. Like it it should be a testament to why people should be getting out of cities if if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that is a great point because um, one of the reasons you're here is because you, you, you took an opportunity um, and you've really turned it into something. Uh, it, it could totally change your life. You never know, but you have to be in a, a, a position to, to take advantage of those opportunities. And usually those opportunities present in like the worst scenarios, you know, like when all the current, you know, when the market tanks, 80%, that's your opportunity to get in and to make moves when everybody else is like fucked completely and they don't know what to do. They got caught, you know, they got caught with their pants down and, and you're ready to rock. You can, you can take advantage of that situation if you're um, putting yourself in, in that sort of position. And yeah, like this, for me, this has been the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, like I, I hate what's happening to, to these people and like all these like crazy countries. Um, hopefully it's, we're going to figure out a way to stop it in the U S or at least, I don't know, maybe they, we talked about secession on, on your podcast a few weeks ago, but man, um, it, it sucks for them, but if there are ways around it and I am, I have never been happier. I'm in an overwater bungalow right now in Bocas del Toro. It's raining today, which is kind of a bummer. But uh, yeah, as, as long as you can um, get an internet connection, there, there's like, you know, the sky's the limit. So you mentioned something that makes for a nice little transition. The uh, sure. blatant dishonesty of the media in all of this, like the way they've covered COVID and everything. Something else that was uh, pretty blatantly dishonest that they, with the way they covered it, was the Rittenhouse situation. Uh, have you seen? Have you seen the posts going around of people who didn't realize that Cal Rittenhouse only shot white people? Like he didn't shoot any. He didn't shoot I've, any minorities. 
Yeah, I've heard a lot of people. I haven't seen the actual posts of the people being surprised, but I've I've seen a bunch of people reference those. And I'm just like, I, people are so quick to form an opinion. It's like, how do you just not look into I, it's beyond me because I always like look into stuff. So I don't understand that mentality. But yeah. Well, the way mainstream media pitched the whole thing when it happened was it was some white supremacist white kid who went on a shooting spree at a Black Lives Matter rally uh, or at a Black Lives Matter protest, protest you know, mostly peaceful protest. Uh, you know, so so anybody who didn't actually see the video or take more than four seconds to just read the headline of white supremacist shoots protesters that BLM event uh, would think that it was that was legitimately what happened. Like it was a white kid shooting black people. Clearly, you know, it's, it, it it's only, logical. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't you make that to look at the video and see that literally nobody he shot was white? Like this is the white, worst white supremacist on the planet. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should, uh, maybe he was colorblind or something. I don't know. But yeah. It, I mean, it's the, the thing is, it, remember back uh, a few years ago with the Jesse Smollett thing in Chicago? Like, I knew immediately that that whole story was complete bullshit just because I was in Chicago and I knew it was 40 fucking degrees below zero. And he's not, nobody's walking around in downtown Chicago wearing Trump hats, yelling mega country in 40 degree below zero weather. It was freezing cold. I think they actually closed like our offices and stuff because it was so goddamn cold. And I was like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, this is bullshit. But people believe, everybody believed it. All blue checkmark, Twitter, all these people, man. It's, they've done an Um, incredible job of conditioning us. It's, it's discouraging. I hate for it to sound stereotypical, but I mean, I am kind of a, a redneck from, uh, you know, BFE Kentucky. And I do know some, you know, legit white supremacist KKK types and like the kind of stuff that they did to him. Like as soon as I saw it, I was like, yeah, that, that's bullshit. Like those people would never actually do that. Like that's not, that's not the way they, that's it's not so the way funny. they handle their shit. Like that's yeah, the dumbest, it, that's the dumbest, most prop propped up bullshit i think i've ever seen like there's it's, there's no way it's legit yeah it's always like this cartoonish caricature of what it actually is because they've never encountered those types of people um you know the ones that are always sort of like thirsty for that sort of attention and that narrative have never really uh experienced the, the reality of it as, as right. some people probably have you know it's they don't um, actually know anybody who is a white supremacist. So they create this image of what that person is and looks like out of, you know, some, like you said, some cartoonish thing in their brain that doesn't exist. Like it's just this completely overblown uh, characterization that that's not, that's really not the way those people behave or handle themselves or anything even remotely like that. Like it's, it's fucking crazy. Uh, anybody who acted like that would be banished from those communities like hands down because that's just so fucking dumb like and and i I know like the average person didn't grow up in the middle of nowhere with a hell's angels clubhouse five miles (laughs) down the road and you know an actual an actual county uh in our state that like is a kind of a haven for kkk and like knowing how that that stuff like actually operates like like 
I get it. The average person doesn't have that experience. And so they have no idea. So when, you know, when it happens and they see it, they think, oh, that's obviously white supremacy. And it's like, yeah, that's not the way those people behave like at all. You, if you actually met a real white supremacist, you would never know it. Yeah. And I, I just wonder like how many times people can be just completely bamboozled before they start to doubt whatever narrative they're being told. You know what I mean? It's like, you, you get that wrong. You get the, uh, was that the kid? I forget the name of that school that he was from. Where it's like at the, there was like the Indian guy banging the drum in his face. Oh, yeah. The uh, uh, Sandman. Yeah. Yeah. There's that one. And then just like everything. And then the, the whole COVID thing. And then this one where like they didn't even realize that everybody that was shot was white. It's just like, at some like if you're one of those people that keeps jumping to those conclusions and each time you're completely wrong like at what point do you figure it out and start you know listening to like the joe rogan podcast or something um maybe that's the the white pill for today is like more people are starting to to doubt that but there's just so there's so so what frame up the uh the rittenhouse uh thing for me like what what has the media and because we we know they they've uh, they've gone to deliberation, right? So most of what has come out of the media has been white supremacy, white supremacy, and more white supremacy. Uh, shouldn't have been allowed to cross state lines, which ignores the fact that literally his entire somebody's going to fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure literally his entire family, other than his mother lives in Kenosha like he crossed state line his mother brought him across state lines but literally his entire family lives there like just not his mom so it wasn't like this is and he also works there like that's where he works so it's not like he was uh coming in from some random out of town place like say all of the Antifa protesters who were there who aren't actually from Wisconsin like they got busted they got busted in (laughs) Like he actually, you know, is from there. So, so there's that, but so crossing state lines, that's their big thing. Uh, white supremacists. That's, that's the other big thing. Um, 17 year old shouldn't be allowed to have a gun, which was also, uh, fact checked as inaccurate, but then they doubled back on their fact check and said that their fact check was wrong. Uh, even though it wasn't because you can't have that narrative out there. Uh, the, the prosecution, has been just a complete clown show. Uh, have you seen any, I'm sure you've seen, you've had to have seen some of the stuff with the uh, the the guy who got his forearm blown off, uh, basically just confessing that, yeah, he, when I had my hands up and I didn't have a gun drawn on him, he didn't shoot me. And then it wasn't until I drew my gun and bore down on him that he shot me. Like, yeah, pretty, I've seen pretty cut and dry yeah. self-defense there, but I've, then I've the, seen uh, a couple of these. Yeah, I've seen a couple of these clips where it's like, you know, when you're watching those trials in like a movie or something, and it's like that big shocking moment, and they just like move to dismiss right there. And it's like, all right, case closed. This is over. I saw like three or four of those in the little coverage that I've I've watched of this, where it's like, why isn't it like the movies where it's just like, all right, this is over. Like, this is ridiculous. What are we doing here? Let's like my cousin Benny, like you know, the state would like to dismiss all charges. Let's just go. Well, it's like on the part where the uh, 
they were trying to push that he shouldn't have been allowed to have the gun. The, the judge asked the prosecution a couple specific questions about the gun laws and stuff. And they basically threw their own case out. And he said, okay, we're just, we're just dismissing yeah. that charge. Like that doesn't apply. I like guess it's yeah. been pretty, it's, it's been pretty hilarious. I, I do think, so right now they're in deliberation. Uh, closing statements were made the other day and hopefully we get a, a, you know, a verdict from the jury at some point. There's been rumors. I saw an article or, or maybe it was just a, a post or something earlier today that there are like two jury, two jurors who are holding out because they're concerned over the backlash over uh, the ruling, which means that it's not going to go the way the mainstream media wants it to go. So, like, I mean, there's no other reason that they would be concerned over backlash unless they're going to give him not guilty because, like, what what else do you do at this point? Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And it also kind of felt like, I don't know, somebody with more legal expertise can probably chime in on this. It really felt weird and seemed almost like the case was being poorly presented by the prosecution, almost like trying to get a mistrial out of it like I, I, which i don't know what the i don't know what the end game of that would be like I, I don't know how that works well enough to understand uh what the outcome would be if it was deemed a mistrial but there was a lot of crazy shit with the way that they handled that uh that prosecution that really felt like they weren't trying or if they were trying they were uh fucking it up like extra royally uh, so I don't know. It doesn't matter what the, the outcome is going to be. It's going to be bad. Uh, that's kind of all I can really see at this point. Yeah. And what we know for, we just know that they don't want what happened there. Like what Rittenhouse was able to, to do. They don't want that narrative out there. Uh, you know, they want the the whole white supremacist thing but not like self-defense or anything like that or like you know second amendment right they they want to squash that so maybe that's why they're trying to get the, the like you know if the jury comes back and they're like yeah not guilty um that that's sort of a serious blow to the whole state's uh narrative of of trying to to take away uh, people's right to defend themselves and things like that so maybe that that's an aspect of it um so what do you think is going to happen? You think they're going to, you think it's going to be a hung jury. You think they're going to capitulate to the crowd and, and maybe throw him some sort of, you know, a minor charge. How many counts does he have against them? Cause I know the gun charge was a sixth, the sixth count. See, I'm not sure. I, okay. I do think, I think they will to some extent capitulate and give some sort of a minor charge. And mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't know what would come of that. Uh, see, it's tough to say, because at this point, I don't have a lot of faith since the since it's pretty clear from some statements that the jury uh, has concerns over public backlash from whatever the ruling is. I don't know how fair it's going to ultimately be. And, you know, that's that's always a that's always a problem with these, you know, big, uh, like really public cases like this, like Derek cases. Chauvin, no matter what came out of the whole George Floyd knee on the neck, everything Chauvin was going to jail. He was going to yeah. be found guilty of something, no matter what, like there was too much, 
there was too much publicly writing on that outcome. There was no way, and which makes it almost no way that you could have a fair trial from the beginning. And the only thing that might give this the potential for some level of a fair trial is the fact that the prosecution has been so just abysmally terrible with everything that they've presented for their, you know, their case. Like it's been, their case has basically backfired on them at every turn. Yeah. It is laughable. I mean, it's, there were some moments where just jaw droppingly crazy, like ridiculously bad. And, you know, it's, the court system is like always one of the things that people point to too you know when you when you need government it's like well police fire court systems education it's like wow man no like you just watch these trials go on and especially the high profile ones and these are you know when they have like good attorneys and stuff usually too and they can't like it just doesn't matter like this whole court system is a complete disaster and then you think of like you know just your regular joe schmo off the street who doesn't, whose, you know, case doesn't get that attention, but they just get completely railroaded. And it's like, wow. So this is, this is one of your pillars, you know, that you're like one of your few legs to stand on for why we need this whole apparatus. And this is the best they can do. It's like if the, you know, they've done such a good job of politicizing everything and the media can run with any narrative they want to get people riled up. It just negates their entire, like they just negate the whole thing. Uh, people are going to throw tantrums, so we can't we can't actually rule the way we want to rule on this because we don't want riots and we don't want people, you know, more damage than just sending somebody to prison for the rest of their life would cause. Right. We can't give a verdict based on the rule of law because the mob rule is going to supersede that and and we can't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. OK. That's where we are. So, yeah and that's uh, that's democracy it's mob rule right yeah this is it it all just feeds off itself and and creates these situations that are disastrous like it it never it's never worked out it it can't work out and the the sooner people realize that the the better like the the farther we move away from whatever the hell you want to call what we have now is the the better off the vast majority of people are going to be and um what I'm really hoping for is a non-guilty or a not guilty verdict, and that will break the left's entire uh, reliance on the justice system, and we can just scrap the whole fucking thing. That would be great, um, man. And that that's one of the the things that we have to do is we have to get people primed for that to happen so that they look toward the correct solutions to these types of problems. You know what I mean? They don't start going like down the Bernie Sanders road or something like that. Um, And it's a, it's a tough job, but uh, we got some good voices out there that hopefully can, can take that and run with it. Um, Is there anything else you want to add? Cause I think we're probably coming up on time here. We should wrap. I think we covered, I think we covered everything we talked about covering pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, this was fun. We'll, we'll do it again. You know, I'm going to be in a much, uh, yeah, like later this week, maybe today's Wednesday. Right. Yeah. I, I would like to resume the, the, the two week, uh, two episodes a week thing, but things are a little up in the air here. You never know what's going to really pop up, but 
Um, I look forward to doing this again. Uh, anything you need to plug? Nope. Everybody knows where to find me. So cool. Yeah. Check, well, my, uh, check my show out if you're interested, but like I've always said on mine, like everybody that I do work for is uh, a lot better at this than I am. I just talk into a mic and, and, uh, talk about dumb shit that I think is interesting, but <laughs> I, I think, uh, I think the content that everybody else puts out is a lot better than my own. I just, uh, I'm just a dumb so short. shooting shit. That's true. That's why we brought you on. <laughs> it's exactly what this show was missing. <laughs> you needed the white supremacist perspective on the Kyle exactly. Rittenhouse case. Exactly. Well, um, for everybody else out there, don't forget to get your cellulite super spreader tickets. We are like less than a month away from that. And there might be a huge, huge surprise coming compliments of Clint Russell. I can't promise anything right now, but uh, you, you would be blown away if, uh, if you were there for this and he comes through on his end. So get those tickets now because I don't know how much longer I'm going to leave them up for sale. I might just cut it off in a week and you'll have no idea and no chance to get your tickets. So Sayulita superspreader.eventsmart.com and promo code red bill. R E D is in David B is in boy. I L L. We don't know if that's a typo or what, but that's what uh, Anthony Samaroff, who will be joining us down there, texted me take the red bill and i ran with it so that's his promo code it'll get you 10 percent off i think I, I have to reactivate it because i think it expired but i'll reactivate it for another week for all of you guys that are procrastinators like myself and who are trying to figure out your travel arrangements like i said flying into mexico is super easy you, you don't even need a COVID test uh you just fly in just don't go to cancun because it's a fucking shithole and the people are the worst and you will get fleeced there for everything that you have. Um, come to PV. We'll, you'll fly into PV. We'll hop. We'll put you in a car for less than 600 pesos. I will get you to Sayulita and uh, we'll have a fucking blast. So if you guys can do all that for me, we will be back later this week with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace. Peace.